from being a veteran at an early age to becoming an author and yogi, our special guest, Chuck Johnson, shares what it's like to be a father and hold space in love and what inspired him to be a better father, husband, and human. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. And check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change at my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, feel free to connect with me on all my social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And today, my guest is the incredible, amazing, and my friend, Chuck Johnson. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Hey, Faye. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you for taking time um, out of your busy schedule to be here. I know, gosh, we've known each other. I was thinking about it this morning, like, I don't even know, maybe 17 plus years. Wow. That's a maybe. long time. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, because you, your wife and I used to work together so yeah. many years ago. And so, and before that, that we worked at the same location, you know, we I do her hair. So yeah. to, to know you for so long and to just watch you grow and blossom into this, everything that we're going to talk about today. I can't, I'm just excited to have you here. So thank you. You're well, I'm super excited to be here and to, I get to watch the same thing in reverse too. So it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, Chuck Johnson is the author of the new book called You Are Held in Love. He is a witness to life expressing itself through presence a discoverer of the essence of things. He's a master of the alchemy of divine perspective, and he is also a cloud security architect. And we're going to dive into all of those things. But first, I always start off, Chuck, with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? I think listening. Mm. Yeah, listening and presence. And what's interesting is as I was feeling what it felt like to be present with someone, you know what I mean? Like what the energy feels like to really, really be present. And I noticed that sincerity mm-hmm. is an entryway into presence. Like the moment you begin to come become sincere with someone, you, like presence arises and you kind of step into that. And so I think investing in people is presence, but 
there's this piece behind it, which is that you're bringing this absolute sincerity and listening and sincerity uh, and an appreciation of who they are. And if you're doing that, then that's a pretty good gift. Mm. Mm, I love that. That is the first time I've ever heard sincerity on this show after three years. And it's so such a powerful word. It, yeah. it really is. Go ahead. No, that's it. It's it's amazing. To, I don't use it much. I don't even remember what I was doing when I I just felt it. I just I was maybe listening to someone, or I don't recall. It's just within the last couple of weeks that I recognized that I was like, oh, sincerity is the. It's like the door I walk through mm-hmm. in order to become really present with somebody. Well, and you also mentioned listening, and you know, there's something so profound. We are listening from a place of just being completely present with that person. So I love that you're mixing the dynamic of the sincerity to it because that key component of sincerity is really about listening from a place of understanding, not from a place of responding. And just so many times in our lives, not just with the family, but in our career, you know, maybe it's our relationships, maybe it's with our boss, maybe it's, you know, even as a leader, we're listening from a place of, okay, I really have five minutes and then they're talking and, oh God, I got, what what else do I have to do? You know, ticking down the to-do list of today. Right. So I really love that you said that. So how often have you found in your own, you know, life that people have been insincere and not really listening from a place of sincerity. Well, what I would, I don't want to speak for others. So what I would say is in my own life, when I think about, am I being sincere, right? In my listening, am I being sincere or present in, in, in the moment with the person that I'm with? And what's really interesting is if I'm not present with the person that I'm with, then I'm actually selling myself short in a way because I'm actually not present with me either. Mm. Like I'm lost on some thought somewhere. And and so the thought has my presence or what, whatever, it, you know, the next thing that I have to do has my presence or has my attention, if you want to call it that. And even like just pointing that out now, because I've never really thought about it before, what I get is I'm selling myself short. Mm by not being with you and i'm also selling you short too you know what i mean I, mm-hmm. and so it's yeah if you if you mean anything to you then be present with the people that you're with because that will allow you to then be present with yourself i love this i love this conversation it's already so deep so you talked about attention so let's go a little bit further and you know for maybe there's an audience member who's listening to this and they're like I mean, I get about being present, but I really don't. Like, I understand the word, but I love that you put attention in there. So how is being present about showing attention, having attention, having their attention with the other person? Yeah. And I want to use the word sincere again, because it presence in, a, in some weird way, to me, feels like sincerity. Mm-hmm. Like it really, and so it really is about at if someone wants to like if they're not under sure or if they're not sure what presence feels like or they want to get 
like a better understanding or a better a better feeling of it, then it really sincere attention to the moment that you're in is another way of describing presence, right? So sincere mm-hmm. attention to the moment that I'm in, whether that's the moment that I'm in with you, whether it's the moment that I'm in as I'm walking on the trail through the park and I see the flower or I see the trees or I'm listening to the birds. So it doesn't even have to be visually presence. In fact, it isn't just visual. It's as we started out the conversation where presence was kind of about listening. And so I think it's interesting because when we talk about the word listening, even automatically just through our language, we start to think about with my ears. Right. And I, I, I would equate listening to like uh, there's visual listening and there's like touch listening and smell. And so it's sincere attention to listening uh, with all senses in the moment. And all, and the only thing that you're doing is being really, really, you're in the moment of now and giving it at that point what starts to reveal itself for you or has the potential to reveal itself for you is the magnificence of the moment, the magnificence of the person. Mm. There's like so many things that we take for granted. The fact that, Oh, I know Shay, we've known each other for 17 years. And you know, she was with my wife last week and we're having this. And it's like, Oh, we just forget that every single day of my life has led me to the moment that I'm having with Shay right now. Every decision I've ever made, every turn I've ever taken, every choice I've ever, all of it's led to us having this conversation. And we just think, and then everything that everyone in front of us has done as well to get me here, even, right? My parents and their parents. And we kind of lose the understanding of the magnificence of what's actually happening. And we just are moving through life just like it's this maze we're walking through and it's it's like no it's a little more significant than that if you want it to be and it doesn't need to be either like there's not a right or wrong way of looking at it <laughs> mm. how do you tap into to and i'll use your word that you use in your book observe the magnificence in the path that we have been on how do you tap into that I think beauty, in a way, I think I think beauty arises in silence, like true beauty, because like true beauty is, in a way, as as funny as I as I just like plug into that, it's like true beauty in a way is wisdom, because real wisdom is beautiful, you know. And think about Rumi, you know, the the poet and the way that uh, he would describe what he's writing about and you know, the experiences that he's in or, or whatever that might be. And that's beautiful. And that's wise. I mean, it's dead on wise. Like it's such a clear description of what's occurring and with beautiful language. So the tapping into that is it just becomes wanting. It can be a desire that people have. It could be a desire. Like if you want to experience that and you're not used to experiencing it, it could be the ability to ask or want something a little better, a little wanting to know more about what's happening in life so that you have the ability to be 
maybe more appreciative, more in touch, more connected, more loving. There's so many different reasons that someone would want to connect to that. It, in that space, there isn't really any suffering. Mm. There, yeah, it's, there's only magnificence. Mm. <laughs> That's just beautiful. I'm just soaking it all in. And it's, I think there is a point in our lives where we have removed ourselves from the equation and just be in gratitude of every, like you mentioned, your, your, our generations before us, every step that they have done to lead us to that point. So how did you get to be such one, such a deep thinker and such on a, on a a profound level that you knew that you really wanted to one, write a book, but you just wanted to take your life into a different direction because of you were, we were talking before. And again, because I know you for so long, you one have been a veteran and you have, you're an IT guy. So how did a veteran IT guy go from, you know, being being that and now all of a sudden and you do yoga as well you're yeah. a yogi so you're just on such a an amazing journey to watch to unfold and uncover every step of the way so can can you share with us what your journey's been like for you yeah it's i think it's been similar to a, I, I don't i haven't had a lot of grief i would say or a lot of pain or suffering compared to so many other people that I've seen, but I've had my share. You know what I mean? Uh, And so what's interesting is I went in a service when I was 17 and I was just ready to leave home. You know, I was like, got to get my parents to sign this thing. I'm out of here. You know, I was out by the time I was 20. So I'd served my country three years, jumped out of planes with the 82nd airborne. Wow. And was back home before I was old enough to drink, you know, and it's like, really, this is kind of funny, you know, how, and so all of those things, I I just started to pay attention to, you know, there's these these things that occur in life and they feel like, yeah, that's there. There's that thing there and it feels like it's out of place. Just a little like that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These generalized rules that apply to everyone or anything like that. And, and what I start to, what I've noticed is, in, like at work, I, I got this first when I was in college. When I was in college after the army, I would study. And for whatever reason, it really, I mean, it was almost literally like a bell would go off and it'd be like, mm, you, you've got that. Like you don't need to do anymore. Mm. And it was quick compared to a lot of others. I just noticed it was fast. Like I got that fast and I wouldn't cram or anything. And then I would take the test and I would do great. And it was just, and I started to, it was like, Oh, there's, there's something that I've got that if I listen to it, it's, you know, it seems to know what's happening. That doesn't mean, I mean, you know, then you go through your twenties and your thirties and, there's that thing and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to it. You know, <laughs> like so many times, not going to mm-hmm. listen to it. And so many times it's like, that's a horrible idea, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, but at the same time, as much as every one of those things was a horrible idea, what I also started to notice, especially later in life is because there's only so much you can kind of absorb, like time actually is 
does need to pass for you to get lessons. Like it just does. Mm-hmm. So there's things you're going to get when you're older that you're just don't really, you can't really get when you're younger because you haven't had enough experience to get it. There's nothing about it. You just don't. And so I just kind of, I, I've just, those little things like that just pop out and I, and I remember them and pay attention to them. And then, you know, so I, I've been married and divorced and have two children from that marriage. And I have a stepson from my existing marriage, uh, married 21 years on or 20 years. What's the year? 21 years on <laughs> the on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, and again, just kind of pay attention, getting older, paying attention. And my wife started yoga. We started practicing yoga on, like, on Friday evenings. And what I started to notice was the more she practiced, the less it felt. I felt like I was getting further and further away from her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I, and it wasn't, I was staying stagnant and she was moving on in, in not in a, like a relationship way, but in like a connection way, like this mm-hmm. way that I can't really describe. And I was like, Oh, I need to practice yoga. Like she's mo- like, there's something happening for her and I'm not staying in alignment, almost like in vibration with that. I'm not staying in harmony with it. And so I started practicing yoga with her and I, I liked the asana physical part as well. And she was a teacher. I've, I've probably been to the, out of all of her students, I've probably been to the most classes that she's ever taught, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's funny. And so that was kind of where that went. And somewhere along the way, I really enjoyed meditation really. And I found like a different teachers that I connected to that were in that spirituality space. I did a 10 day silent meditation and wow. yeah, and coming back from that w- changed my life. I mean, it was it was like if I was paying it, if I felt like there was things that I was being given that I could pay attention to that seemed on, like like this is wise, I should follow it. Nah. Mm. And after the meditation, it was like my entire life I'd been looking through a window that was in the Burger King kitchen area like so you know what i mean like it uh-huh. was filthy and no one i have been looking through mm. it the whole time and i never really realized it was that filthy and it just kind of got yanked out of the way and then i could really really see like i've never seen before maybe when you're a kid but somehow along the way it got dirty hmm. and once that happened i started to realize there's so much more I don't need to, I don't need to try and press into life to get it to succumb to my wishes and demands. Like there's an intelligence in the space between objects and there's an intelligence in wisdom in between this, you know, the blank spots of in between words. Like that's here. And that's the part that's giving me this, you know, I was like, Oh, that's the part that's been giving me this feedback all this time. Yeah. Is it, it becomes this graceful dance and, Somewhere along the way in that, I started to realize like, oh, you can never get a lesson unless there's someone on the opposite side that's playing the role that you need to get the lesson. Mm. And, okay, so that's interesting because those people were always the ones I was just like frustrated with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like frustrated with that person being in my experience. And then I started to realize like, oh, I'm actually getting st- – they're here for me to get this. Like it is, and then it's like, oh, I'm grateful for you being in my experience so I can actually get this. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't even get, you were in my experience for me to get this. And then once I get it, they either drop out of your experience or the relationship changes. And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. And just become just like that, paying attention to those things. And that it, along the way, like that's kind of where the book came from is those observations about, you know, your mind talks a lot, but it has a different energy than what your soul or however, you know, that, that higher wisdom has and, and feeling that difference and getting people to see that. So that's kind of how, you know, that's how my, that's where my path has gone. It really, I think for most men, actually, the path to try to be a little more spiritual or uh, awakened or happens through the, the beautiful feminine in their lives somehow. Mm. Like the feminine is leading us on the on the path actually <laughs> they're trying to help us wake up yeah <laughs> I, I yes i completely agree <laughs> yes uh how fascinating you did a 10 day meditation yeah so were you silent uh, the whole time for 10 days and how did that feel how did it feel in your in your well were you able to access your feelings and did they you know shift and change and go up and down and and, you know how what were your thoughts like and you know then coming out of it did you like have to drink tons of water to have a voice back you know kind of thing Well, it was 10 days silent. What's really nice is, is it actually, the Vipassana experience is free. What you do is after the experience, you just pay whatever it was you feel the experience was worth. And what you're doing is actually paying ahead for the person in, after you, right? And so it, it's silent. Like there's no, there's supposed to be no eye contact, right? No, mm. um, they're providing the food for you. You get your own cot. You're in the, you know, all the men are in one area. All the women are in a whole another building in a different area. Three meals a day. You get up at four thirty. Start meditating at five thirty. You do that for fifty five minutes from five thirty till eleven or eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. Taking one hour, one and a half. I think it was an hour and a half lunch. Go back in till five thirty. Take an hour and a half dinner. Go back in till uh, ten. And so every day from you know five thirty to ten at night. So yeah, I don't know how many hours in total that was in ten full days. But for the first three days, they just have you focusing on one particular part of your body. And then what's really funny because they've got it figured out. Like three days in, somehow, like somehow physiologically, there's a shift. And, um, like the fifth day is probably the most difficult. I would say you're, cause yeah, you're, you're fighting with your mind. You know, you're fighting with wanting. That's probably when there's a lot of people that'll leave and won't stay. Like, you know, there's no benefit here. Why am I even doing this? And all of that happens. And then you've got the people who, you know, just want to continue. Like there's got to be something here. I wouldn't be here if there wasn't something here. And after that, I would say the fifth day was like an absolute awakening. The fifth day is the day that the window got pulled out of the way mm. and I could see and feel what was happening. And, in, in a, I felt like I was Superman. It was crazy. And <laughs> seven or eight days in time just felt like it was absolutely at a standstill. There was someone that sneezed next to me 
And what's interesting, what I noticed was my body responded before my mind ever, heard, ever like cognitively identified there was a sneeze in the room. Hmm. Like my body responded and I, and I, I jolted and then I heard it. Wow. Like that's how slow time was going. And, and it happened a few times and you're in there for 10 days, you know, hours on end. So these things happen and you've got some time to explore them. <laughs> You know, and I'd go outside and I noticed I could figure that I could see that like birds would chirp and I would feel the bird chirp before I ever heard it. Like that's how slow things were moving. And mm. it's like, oh, wow. So you get to this idea that you really don't have any idea what's happening. Like we really don't, you know, and what you have access to in regards to what's what's happening. And what was interesting in that experience is when you read about Vipassana and, and what what they talk about as the body and how the body works and things like that, it aligns directly to that. Mm. Like it's, you know, your body takes sensory input, it turns it into electrical signals, sends it to your brain and your brain then cognates like that and says, Oh, this is this sound. This is this color. This is the smell. But what happens is it, it comes into the sensory input and it's got to travel through the body to get to the brain, to have it show up for you as something. There's a there's a lag time in there, and the body recognizes it before the brain ever does, and so it was really interesting to be in that experience. And by the time the tenth day was there, it was funny. I was about forty miles west of Minneapolis, and so it, I think it was I eighty to Minneapolis, and then I thirty five south of Kansas City. Right? I mean, it's not a complicated drive. I drive north for eight hours, and I drive you know east for one hour. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how to get home. Wow. I could not, I couldn't figure out how to drive. I couldn't really figure out how to get home. Like it felt, it literally felt like I, like we were in this, like all the space that you were in, like this entire experience is inside of water. Like hmm. the space in between objects has its own form, like literally its own form. And, so, like, as I'm driving, I'm, like, watching cars drive through this, and I'm watching birds fly, and I'm like, I cannot drive. <laughs> I just can't figure it out. can't drive. I need to pull over. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to get home. So, if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I want to do a 10-day meditation, make sure you have a driver <laughs> yeah. to get and, you home. <laughs> and so, and then from, like, that's where the book arose. It's like, oh, there's all of this other, these are the observations about the book is what happened after that mm. experience. Like, if you want to change your life, change your language. Like, oh, got it. And that's that's where all of that came from. Well, thank goodness you did do that 10 day, right? Yeah. Then you were inspired to write. So tell us, tell us about the book. Tell us what, how did you come up with the title? You are held in love, a father's look at life. So what happened in that experience in Vipassana was it's like every, all of the ideas that I had about what was happening in life fell away and your mind became silent. This whole new instrument, like instrumentation system came online about what it's like to experience life. And from that, what it felt like for me was everything's being created 
from like this source energy of love. Mm. All of it, no matter what it looks like. And which is weird to think there's a lot of people that won't connect with that because I've been through difficult experiences, some difficult experiences. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And what I got was like, if a way to get that is if I had a big ball of clay and I gave you a piece and like I broke it in half, I gave you a piece and I've got a piece and I made, uh, and maybe there's a third person with us. Like I made a cup mm-hmm. and you made a saucer and they made like a vase that was really, really ugly. Like, you know, whatever the cup and the saucer and the vase they made are conceptually real. Like they're right with their words we give to clay that's shaped in a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's actually real. The only thing that's absolutely real is clay in that mm-hmm. experience. And I was like, Oh, so if everything's sourced from love, no matter how you mold it and whatever you turn it into through your expression, like I can turn it into hate through my expression. Well, the thing is, is it still is sourced from the same source. Like you may have just decided to turn it into a different shape. Right. But I, what I got access to, what it felt like I got access to was, oh, I get where the bottom of it's coming from, where the source is that it's feeding from. And the only thing that's happening is love. Like you are held in love. And that's mm-hmm. where the book came from. And so I wrote it and I wrote it for my children. That's where it was initially written from is I wanted them to get how magnificent they are. And to get some pointers, you know, to give them some guidance and, and like support in their, as they move through life, you know, there, it's all going to work out fine because like no harm can come to the eternal as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the end, that's just the way it works. That's what it feels like. Well, for those of you who are watching, I will show the cover of the book. It is absolutely beautiful with the hands holding on to the monarch butterfly, which is such a delicate thing. And when I first saw this, I immediately thought of a, a newborn of how um, a parent, because I'm not a parent, a parent must look, at the newborn as they are being held in love because yeah. you are love yeah, and you are seeing your heart. I've heard this before, your heart on the outside of your body. Yeah. As a parent, like anyone with a parent, it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a love that you have for your children. That is the, that same love is the same love that it has for everything it's creating. Well, and you did something a little different with the book, which I really find fascinating because as someone who has uh, been around the industry for a couple of years, it's there's everyone has a different way of doing things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of a chapter, which you kind of did chapters, but you did something that I love that you did kind of parts. And, and then in some of those parts, you put an exercise in the back. Yeah. So tell us what motivated you, what prompted you to really make sure that you wanted to add not just your words, but your beautiful artwork as well. And then going the next level and really having the reader 
think about what you were writing? All of the things, one of the ways that I initially described the book is it, it literally is, it's me in words. Like it, everything in there, the pictures are mine, the artwork's mine, like all, all of it's I've done. I've just, the poetry and it's what I, what's happened through the process is I've backed off and just paid attention to what it was that seemed like it wanted to be there. Mm. So what's really interesting is the way the book ends, like the, the, the structure of it, the very end part of it. And I, none of that was planned. Like none of it was planned. I'm mm-hmm. just doing what it is that it feels like I should be doing in the moment. Like this is, that's kind of how it worked. And so What's really interesting is there's the very last exercise or the, kind of the very last statement is see it's one of the things that I do is, or that I get is I listen to a lot of things and then it seems like the only thing that really sits back with me are the things that are really, really important. And usually I have the ability to be fairly concise with the language and it almost always revolves somehow a around it being a method, like a business, like a business process, if you want to call it that or a process. Mm-hmm. And so the last one in there is see a line move from love. And each one of those is a fairly significant thing to think about. And what's really interesting is as I was writing that, that part had a whole different ending in September of this year. Like I, I released the book mm. in, in November like mm-hmm. up until September, it was a whole different ending. I, and what I was doing is I was kind of following something else that so another author and something else that I was listening to. And I was kind of like turning a little bit of what I was learning from them into that and kind of putting it in there. And it seemed like it fit. And then what's really funny is I went through this experience in life that was a fairly difficult experience. And what I got out of that was the end of the book. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so now the end of the, what I get with the end of the book now is the whole front of the book is observe life, right? Mm-hmm. With these different pointers and see how you're, how are you being in these different ways? How are you being? Pay attention to what you have access to. And then there's these other ones that are a little bit more of a paradox or kind of harder to get. But look at these two. And what's funny is now what I understand is C, like when I go to the back book, the back exercise, C is the whole front of the book. Like what Mm -hmm. it's saying is look at your, look at how you're arising in life. Look at what you're committed to. Look at how you're being. And if you wonder what that looks like, that's what the whole front of the book was for take all those exercises and then add them all together. That's it. Like the book, like folded in on itself at the end. It's really weird. And then align to now that you've looked at that, what are you committed to? Like, who are you committed to being? How are you committed to arising? What, how are you, what are you committed? How are you committed to being in each moment and what uh, creating from what's all that look like for you? And kind of jot that down. And that's actually what I did with that difficult exercise is I have never really done, I've never really written down what I'm committed to. 
like in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. But that that September experience I had was such a difficult experience. I absolutely had to do that. Like I had to write down what I'm committed to. What am I? How am I committed to being? And and then align to how you're committed to being. Like you see how you're being. You align to how you're committed to being. And what I discovered was I move from love when I do that. Mm. Like, because that's the most pleasurable experience is when I'm aligned to who I am. And that's who I am. And so, yeah, it's, it's really, I struggle sometimes when I'm like, well, I didn't really, I couldn't write that again. I, I, I see people write with a plan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't really have a plan. So it's funny. What I'm hearing is surrendering. That's exactly right. Yeah. I I want our listeners to really hear that there is something that happens when you, you know, I think, well, how, how's the quote go that when you uh, want to make God laugh, you tell him your plan. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there is something that really happens to you when you let go of the plan, you surrender to, you know, what you did with the book of what this is supposed to look like. It's going to look like how it's going to look, right? Period. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, that was how my first book came out too. It was a surrender of, I had been writing chapters for years. And one day I heard this voice in my head that said, this is not your first book. And I just went, okay, I'll put it down. And I said, I'll come back to it when the time is right. And I had to go then take care of my mother who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I had to drive, you know, four hours every other weekend and take care of her. And then it wasn't even until I think it was after several months after she passed away and I had time to grieve that it was a strong desire that I needed to go write today. Like whatever that day was, it was today. Yeah, yeah. And that is what was so fascinating about it because I was also working on my website for my coaching business. And I, my, my, my coach in, in that business had said, you know, I need you to write your message for your website. And I said, okay, so today was the day. And I grabbed my laptop and the internet didn't work. And so I couldn't even log into the program to be able to take my notes that I had before and record. And what ended up happening is that I just opened a, a Word document and out poured my book in one sitting. And while it's not the best or the greatest, it's my first book. So there's something about surrender. And so I know there will be more later. There has been. I have two co-author books as well. And so I know you and I talked before, but as your first book, is this complete and is there more to come? It's That one says complete as it can be. Mm -hmm. There are more to come. Yeah, there are, there are more to come. I think, so what's interesting is I've been, the lessons that are in the book are just lessons. The observations that are in the book are observations that apply to life. It doesn't matter whether it's life that you're having with your family, with your friends, or with your coworkers. And what's interesting is there's a lot of the stories in the book, a lot of the experiences that I use to make a point about the lesson that are the observation come from work. And so there really feels like there's a book on leadership 
that is what it almost feels like is this book and all of its lessons and all of its writing Mm -hmm. inside of another book, literally, where you read this book as part of that book. And then on the opposite side of it, I point you directly to leadership and being at work and what experiences at work this might apply to. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I yeah, can't wait. It's like a, yeah. So, it's- the, the, and I also feel, and this has just kind of been coming up more here in the last few days, is a curriculum that's multi, multi-day and over each particular part of the each observation of the book Mm -hmm. to really help people. The other thing I get, the books, I mean, relatively short, there's not, I didn't, I think that there's less is more in regards to what I was writing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be an intellectual book. I wanted it to be a book like that's not where it came from. When I read it, I'll, when I read it, I weep. Mm -hmm. Like that's how, that's how much it means to me that's written on the pages. And a lot of what I'll, when I go back and read it, I don't really remember writing. Like I'll just read it and go like, wow, that's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that's really pretty. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it an intellectual book where I elaborate on that. It's like all of that you need to get is either written on the words or wrapped around the words in this silent little package called an essence of the word is the delivery of the essence of the meaning. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah. And and what I think, though, is in that leadership book is I can expand on that more and write a little more. And I think the the curriculum to the teaching would be more of that is to give people insight, like the felt sense of connecting to what I'm speaking to. And then have, and then with more people in there, you get to have more conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then as pe- more people have conversation about it, and this is kind of, you get to like point out these little things that people don't really get. It's like that, that like life's occurring for you mm. is not occurring to you. Yes. Like people are showing up in your life so that, that so that you can move past whatever you need to move past. People are showing up in your life so that you can connect in a strong way to something you maybe you weren't connected to or showing up in your life just so that you can they show up in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all all none of it's a coincidence, it doesn't feel like. And so when you're what I've realized is when you when you're in a larger room with more people having that conversation, kind of pointing these things out. The collect, like the collective gets it, you know, mm-hmm. it, at work, it's interesting. People will be like, wow, you think about things in a really weird way. And I'm just like the, the, what I'm pointing to as an observation is right here. Like, and the reason that you feel like there's some wisdom in it is because you can, you're connecting to what I'm pointing to. You're not even listening to, it's not about the words I'm speaking. It's about the fact that you can connect to the truth of it just through the felt sense of being here in an experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. I cannot so, wait. Can't wait to have yeah. you uh, doing uh, <laughs> retreats. I'm just going to put that out there for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we'll uh, you'll have to come back on when we, when we get that, when you get that off the ground. I will. I can well, come to Florida. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We could definitely have them in Florida. I will. It, 
we're coming to an end and I do want to ask a few questions before we wrap this up, but I want to know, what do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Yeah. Just compassionate presence in people's lives. Mm. Well, I've had the honor to know you and you are living that legacy now. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Shay. Uh, You're welcome. Bless you. Thank you. And um, how can people connect with you? How can they find your book, find your other things that uh, amazing wisdom nuggets that you drop uh, on on social media or anything like that? Yeah, I have a, you can catch me an email. My personal email is chuckj67 at gmail.com. Feel free to email me there. I'm on Instagram as well. And I, the account that a lot of this stuff is under is ask.be.blessed. So ask.be.blessed. And that's probably the easiest way as well. Find me there and instant message me there if you'd like. And the book's available on Amazon. You are held in love by Chuck Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Love the title. And I always like to, so thank you so much for taking time to be here today. And like I said, we're just two friends catching up over a cup of coffee because we've known each other for so long. So thank you for that. And um, I always like to finish this interview with the the last question of what does, gosh, I can't even talk. What phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? You are held in love. Mm. Perfect. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I know that you enjoyed this interview because Chuck dropped some major knowledge nuggets. So please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up. The Lima Charlie Network is a group of thought leaders and podcasters with the goals of improving ourselves, inspiring and educating others, and bringing valuable conversations to both military and civilian audiences. Our vision is to empower others to reach new heights in leadership, self-development, and communication by connecting our audience to crucial conversations. Focused on sharing tools, ideas, and perspectives for impactful improvement. A one-stop shop for aspiring and seasoned leaders alike to gain from the experiences and knowledge of others. We aren't just a network of colleagues. We are family. And we invite you to come and join us on this journey. And we look forward to delivering invaluable information to you loud and clear. 